And good morning, everybody. Can I get a good morning back from you today? Yeah, thank you, Emily. It's a good, good day to be in church. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Tyler. I get to be your pastor here at Anastasis. If you're wondering what on earth does our name mean, you're like, Anastasis, what does that even mean? Somebody invited you, you heard them say it, you're like, that is the weirdest sign name on the planet. Um, it is the Greek word in the New Testament for resurrection, literal and like figurative, meaning to be raised to new life, to be raised to new life in Christ. And that's what we believe, that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter the mistakes you've made, that if you call on the name of Jesus, that you're forgiven, you're restored, you're raised to new life in Christ. And we believe that no matter who you are, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We believe that he loves you more than our words can articulate. And so if you're here for the first time, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your weekend to spend it here with us. It does mean the world to us. I hope you know you're loved. I hope you know you're welcome. And I hope you know there's a God who cares for you more than our words can articulate. Um, we've got something exciting coming up. Next weekend is our church picnic. Is there anybody excited for the church picnic? Come on. It's gonna be an absolute blast. After church on Sunday, potluck style, we'll have some yard games, some different things going on out on the square. Um, we'll be grilling hamburgers and hot dogs, but we need your help. We need each of you, if you're coming, hey, please consider bringing a side or a dessert with you so that we've got plenty of food to go around for everyone, but it's gonna be a blast. It'll be a great time for us to connect together, to get to know one another and share in some great Food. And so please, 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 next week, invite friends, invite family, and we're going to have a blast together. And speaking of great food, so I have a wife who's named Hannah. We've been married like nine years. She is absolutely the best. So before I tell this story, I want to get this disclaimer out there. She is absolutely the best. So when she listens on podcasts later, she'll know I said it. It's true. With all of my heart and soul, she's the best. But... We had an incident this week where she was eating some really, really good food. And you see, she was working. She was going to be busy during her lunch break. So she like shows up to the house, grabs something, takes it in a bowl and takes it back. But she was actually using my truck that day and I was using the minivan. And so I went to switch her cars in the middle of the day and I get in the truck and I go, ooh, what is in this truck? Something so bad is in this truck. And I turn around and in the back seat is a half eaten bowl of beef stew. And I was like, Hannah. So if you go back and I should have put this on the screen, you see our text messages. I send her a text message in the morning just saying something like, uh, good morning, I love you. Something like that as she's at work. The next text message below says, so the beef stew in the truck is a new low. Like, you know, like we, we've just hit like a different low for my truck. But here's the deal. Like the beef stew in the truck is a funny story. It smelled bad, but there's so much forgiveness on the other side of that deal, right? It's like, I'm just joking with her. I'm just messing around because even small things like that, they don't actually mean anything, right? But sometimes you get in the truck and you're surprised by the stench. And I just wonder for some of us in this room, if there are things in our life that, that end up smelling that we get surprised by the stench on, we actually get surprised by the smell that we see. Uh, maybe a relationship that's going on in our life or there's something going on and you start to smell something, you're like, this doesn't seem quite right. What is going on? And when things start to settle in in a weird way, what's our response? And when things are just a little bit off, what's our response? And so today we're gonna talk about that. As I believe as followers of Jesus, our response is always and will always be forgiveness. 
It will always be forgiveness. Hannah left a little cup of beef stew in my truck. It wasn't like, you know, you really should have picked that up. You know, <laughs> it was like, I can just get that out of there and take care of it. Not a big deal. In the same way in our life, I think there are offenses, big and small, that we can look at and we can say, you know what? I'm gonna cover this with grace. I'm gonna cover this with forgiveness. And so this week, as we jump into week three of faith over fear, that's what we're gonna be talking about, forgiveness. So let, before we do so, though, let's pray and then we'll jump right in. Father, I just thank you for who you are. God, you're so good and you're so gracious. You're holy, you're amazing. Father, I pray that all of our attention, all of our devotion, all of our focus will be on you. Um, Lord, I pray for every person in this room right now, whatever they're coming in with, whatever they're going through, God, I pray that you would just meet them right where they are. And Lord, that there would be nothing that would separate their attention from you. Lord, whatever they're struggling with, whatever they're carrying in, whatever's weighing heavy on their minds and their hearts, Father, I pray that they would lay it at your feet and they would trust you with it. And Lord, I just pray above all, you'd be glorified in this place. Lord, I pray over the words I'm about to speak. Father, make them the words you want spoken. Omit the words from my vocabulary you don't want spoken today. Ask for all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So last week we talked about repentance and we talked about how faith chooses repentance, how faith chooses repentance, but fear chooses secrecy. And I want us to think about that for a second through the, the lens and the story of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were caught in their sin, when they sinned, what was the very first thing they did? When they heard God walking in the garden, oh no, he's coming, and they hid. They hid themselves. They were afraid, and so they hid. And I believe that there are some times for some of us that we embody this very nature, that we hide. When we sin or we make a mistake, we hide. We're afraid to go to God because of what we've done. We've convinced ourselves that we have to like work our way back to God, which is not true. The reality is we can just go back to our Father who's in heaven and he will pick us up. He will clean us up. He will set our hearts on the right path. Or maybe we're afraid when we mess up that if anyone found out that the consequences would just be so much to bear. And that second one can be a legitimate fear. It really can be. But I always believe, I still believe with all my heart that repentance is still our best decision. So what does it mean to repent? It means to turn from our ways. It means more literally in the Greek to actually change our mind about what we wish to do. So we invite God and we ask him, God, fashion my heart, fashion my mind to not desire these things anymore. If our desire is to sin, we, we get close to God, right? We put our perspective on God. We orient our heart and our mind towards him and we ask him to change our hearts. And we talked about how repentance is proactive, not just reactive. Sure, on the other side of us sinning, we, we repent and we say, God, please orient my heart in a different way. Forgive me for what I've done. But because we've done that, now our future is different. The next battle that comes our way won't be as significantly severe because we've oriented our hearts in a different way. So it's not just a reactive thing to sin in the past, but it's a proactive defense to sin that's to come in the future. And repentance is the beginning of fruit bearing. The beginning of fruit bearing. With salvation, when we say, God, I wanna follow you and serve you with my life, that's the very beginning. And then every single day, discipleship, as we say, God, I want you to change me. I want you to mold me. I want you to craft my heart, orient my heart and my mind to follow you. And the vital piece of this is that repentance actually leads to joy. Your heart and your mind will change and the things that shackled you will no longer do so 
and I believe that you'll walk freely in the light and the life of Jesus as you follow him. So choosing faith over fear in the form of choosing repentance over secrecy will lead to rest and joy and peace in the presence of our Father in heaven. But the reality is fear is a big deal. Like, I don't think there's any one of us in the room who wouldn't say, fear's a big deal for us. Like, there's, there's all of us that we have fears, we have concerns. If I asked you your top fear right now, it'd probably be something physical. If I gave you some time to think about it, it might become something emotional that you realize is there. But Jesus says this during the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 25 through 33 is where we're gonna begin today. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I'm telling you what, high school me needed to hear that. Is not life more than clothing? Like I cared so much about the clothes that I would wear. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? That is a rhetorical question to you today. Are you not of more value than they? Of course you're of more value than they are to him. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Think about that for yourself right now. Is your worrying helping you? Is your fear and giving into your fear, is that actually helping you? Is it extending your life? No, it's probably stealing life and joy from you. So consider the lilies of the field. They grow, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He wasn't clothed like they are. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Check it out. This is what we're gonna cling to today. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. I believe with all my heart that faith seeks God, but fear seeks an outcome. Faith seeks God, but fear seeks an outcome. Faith says, God, let me put my trust in you. I'm gonna get my perspective on you. Fear says, by any means necessary, I need to make this happen. By any means necessary, under my own strength, I gotta make this thing happen. And as we jump into today, I want to continue with this idea of faith over fear that builds on last week's teaching on repentance as we discuss forgiveness this week. Because I know that repentance leads to forgiveness, right? As we go before God, he forgives us. And in the same way in our relationships, we're called to forgive. And so often, I believe our best way to seek first the kingdom of God is to pray. To earnestly seek God in his infinite wisdom, to ask him for the strength to forgive. And because it's so natural for us to worry about our needs, I'm not trying to like beat you over the head today. I don't want it to be one of those situations where it's like, you're wrong because you fear sometimes. You're bad because you get scared. No, but the reality is we all get worried, whether it's our finances, our jobs, our relationships, our kids, our health, you know, our home, our car, whatever the situation may be. 
but I do believe with all of my heart that the best way for us to overcome and combat our fears is to pray, to earnestly seek the heart and the face of God, bringing all of our requests boldly before him, but then trusting him with the outcome. Faith seeks God, fear seeks an outcome. If we seek God, God will take care of the outcome. And Jesus spent quite a bit of time during the Sermon on the Mount talking about prayer. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you haven't spent any time like in Matthew 5 through 7, please do so because you could literally just read this the entire year and still see all of the layers of what Jesus is saying and how he's instructing them and what he's teaching them to do. And so Matthew 6, 5 through 14, just shortly before the passage we just read, he says, and when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Why did they receive their reward? Why does he call them hypocrites? Um, Because their goal was not to draw near to God with their prayer, but their goal was to glorify themselves. And so he's saying, well, they accomplished their goal and it was a short-lived Goal. Rather than living with an eternal focus, they lived with a present focus. Rather than living with eyes fixed on God, they lived with eyes fixed on themselves. And they're saying, what can I do to bring honor and glory to myself? And so these hypocrites prayed not to be heard by God, but really just to be seen by men. And this can become like a common fault when we pray publicly. I think sometimes we can pray and be worried about what the people who are around us are thinking of what we're praying, rather than just praying to God. Or we can use this as a time where we're like, I'm going to pray and I'm going to teach while I'm praying. It's like, no, just pour your heart out to God. Trust him with the outcome. And the reality is when we pray to God to be seen by men, those prayers are really like an insult to God. Like when we mouth words towards God, but we're really just trying to impress others, we then use God just merely as like a tool to impress others. And so some of the religious leaders of the day really reflected this and they would have everyone to believe like they were so holy when in fact, many of them were just concerned with how things were gonna affect them. And this is why Jesus rubs them the wrong way. If you spend any time in the gospels at all, you'll figure it out. There are two segments of people. There are the religious leaders, the political leaders of the day, and then there's like everybody else. And this group of people over here hated Jesus. The religious and political leaders, they did not like Jesus. But this other group of people over here were like, well, this guy seems kind of cool. We really like him. What he's saying has like power behind it. What he's saying like seems to resonate with my soul. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's different when he talks. I really really, really like it. And the reality is it's because what was Jesus doing? Jesus was doing something that was pure. Jesus was not just trying to like make a spectacle out of who he was, but he was God in the flesh connecting people to the heart of God. And so he rubs them the wrong way as they feel like their grip and their control over the public is being loosened. He was a maverick in his industry. They had this good old boy club where they just kind of protected one another. But Jesus appears on the scene saying things like, I came not to be served, but to serve. And if you want to be first, then you're going to have to be last. You're going to have to give of your life. And you need to love your neighbors yourself and check it out. You need to pray for your enemies And finally, he says things like, don't be like those religious leaders. And that's the thing that probably rubbed them the wrong way. But he gives more instruction as he goes. And he says, but when you pray, verse six, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So then he gives these tangible steps. He says, go first and find a place, a secure place, a place free of distractions, a spot where you can focus and make this time between you and God. This is not about a spectacle. It's not about a show, but this is an intimate interaction between you and God. And if you want to break down the specific ancient Greek word of that word room, it's actually the word that's used for storeroom, where treasures were kept. And so I believe that when we go in and we pray and we enter this space, we need to come in with an expectation that we're going to receive like the treasures of God, that we're going to hear his voice. We're going to connect with his heart. We're going to draw close to him. And so verse seven, he says, and when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they're going to be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Essentially, he tells them, don't be like the Gentiles. Actually, keep it short. Um, not because God is short on time. God is eternal. But he's saying, hey, when you get in there, don't think you have to impress God with all your words. You can't convince his heart to move because you, you know, become more eloquent than you were before. God is not concerned with your eloquence, but God is concerned with where your heart is. Remember what we talked about last week, Psalm 51, 16 through 17, it's written, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And so because our relationship with God is not about how well we can perform, but actually about who he is. We come to him as we are. Charles Spurgeon once said it like this. He said, Christians' prayers are measured by weight, not by length. Many of the most prevailing prayers have been as short as they were strong. So we come to him as we are, and when we come to him, we come honestly and boldly. And Jesus says this. He says in verse nine, okay, then pray them like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First, calling him father would have just been a shocker to the Jewish people at that point. Um, they would have viewed that as too intimate of a name to personally call God. To come to him and say father, they would have been like, whoa, that's too close. But Jesus is breaking down barriers for the people and he's helping them understand the love that God has for them. And it's true that God is the mighty sovereign creator of the universe who will govern and judge all things, but he's also to us a father. A father, a faithful father who loves his children, who wants us to draw near to him, to know him. And so then he essentially says, God, you are great. You are holy. You are perfect. Scripture tells us, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. This gets our focus off of us and onto him, where his perfect love can then cast out all of our fear. He goes on in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey God, I want what you want. Do what only you can do. Align my heart with yours. Remove in me what is not of you. God, I want your kingdom to come. I don't wanna build my own. I have this theory about our life. We're either building God's kingdom or our own kingdom, but we cannot be doing both at the same time. It's all about where our attention is. It's all about where our focus is. And so he's saying, tell God, I want what you want. Bring your kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's your needs that you bring to God. God, you know what I need. Father, please provide 
what I need. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Father, please forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have hurt me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I believe with all my heart, if we truly pray to lead us not into temptation, it's gonna be lived out in a few ways. First, meaning like we're never gonna boast in our own strength to resist the temptation. We're never gonna be like, I am just so disciplined, you know? The reason that I didn't fall into sin is because I'm just so strong. No, we'll remember, we prayed, God, help me stay from temptation. We're not gonna desire trials. There is a segment of people who believe the more pain I endure, the more holy I am. And so we're not gonna desire to be just like led into these trials. And we're not gonna be like, running as much as we can to go into temptation and check it out. We're not going to lead others into temptation. If we're making this the heartbeat of our prayer, God, please don't lead me into temptation. Lead me away from temptation. Then we're not going to be leading others into it as well. It's going to change our focus. It's going to change how we live. And at the end of that directive on prayer, he wraps back to something he just told us to pray about Then he says this in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Why do you think he brings it back to forgiveness? Could it be that despite what we tell ourselves, the thing that is the hardest for us to relinquish control on is forgiveness. It might be easier for us to pray about our finances. It might be easier for us to pray about our job. It might be easier for us to pray about our home or whatever the situation may be, our health. But forgiveness might be the hardest one for us to relinquish. Could be that. Could also be the fact that that's like what our faith is built on, right? The cornerstone of our faith is forgiveness through Jesus. And so if we're going to be the hands and feet of God to those around us, that we're going to be people who earnestly seek to forgive. The truth is this, faith chooses forgiveness, but fear chooses bitterness. (laughs) Faith asks God for the strength to forgive. Fear controls our feelings about someone or something. Faith leads to freedom through forgiveness, while fear leads to bitterness through control. And as hard as it is to fully understand, forgiveness is actually a choice. I mean that. I think forgiveness is a choice that we have to make. Check it out. If forgiveness is a choice, then so is bitterness. If forgiveness is a choice, then so is bitterness. And the difference between the two is obedience. So which one do you most often choose first? Forgiveness or bitterness. When someone hurts you, think about it. When something bad happens, what's your initial reaction and which one do you most often run to? When you see something happen that you know should have happened, it's wrong. What's your initial thought? What do you internalize, forgiveness or bitterness? Now here's the deal. Forgiveness is not saying what someone did to you that was wrong is okay. Because when people hurt you, it is not okay. It's not saying it's okay, but what it is saying is, I'm not gonna let that action control me or hinder my ability to love like Jesus. And while I said forgiveness is a choice, I also recognize that forgiveness is a process. 
It's a process. It takes time. So what should you do when you feel like the hurt you feel is greater than your will or your desire to forgive? What do you do? I believe our best option is to pray. To pray. Philippians 4, 6 says this, don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't say like, don't be anxious about some things or like, don't be anxious about most things. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And check this out, this is so cool. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, more than you can comprehend, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, good, bad, in between, pray. And I'm not saying that your feelings of hurt or your inability to forgive is gonna change immediately. But I do believe with all of my heart that it will over time. It's a long game approach. It's looking down the road and saying, God, do what you want to do with my life. Help me to model your heart. The truth is, if you were hurt and bitter on Tuesday, you likely won't be free and healed on Wednesday. But over time, praying, I believe you will. Because to pray is the change. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. If we're unwilling to change, you'll notice that those who are unwilling to change, we like abandon prayer first. It's one of the first things to leave our walk with Jesus when we're unwilling to change. But the closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ, the more our hearts will be changed to be more like Him. And our hearts and our minds, it says, are gonna be guarded. They're gonna be protected to create a safe space for us to heal for us to grow, for us to change, and for us to forgive. It's gonna guard you, it's gonna protect you. Why does that happen? Because God understands that you're hurting. And what he's saying is it's not a sin to hurt. It's not wrong to feel pain. And as a loving father, he wants to come alongside you and walk with you every step of the way. And I know for so many of us in this room, forgiveness can just seem like this massive canyon. That's like, how on earth am I gonna get to the other side? The pain was so deep, the pain was so real. How on earth am I gonna travel all the way down into the canyon and all the way back up to the other side? Truth is, I believe it happens one step at a time with your heavenly father walking with you every step of the way as you pray, as you seek his face and allow him to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And we have to remember this too. Our life is not our own, but it all belongs to God. So he knows how to steward it best. So faith seeks God, fear seeks an outcome. Instead of operating out of our fear where fear says, I need this pain gone by any means necessary and I'll seek out any path I can to alleviate the pain that I find. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna use hurtful words. Somebody hurts me, I'm just gonna fire right back. 
I'm gonna tell them what I think. I'm gonna use destructive habits or maybe some substances or I'm gonna run myself into some unhealthy relationships just to try to numb the pain for a second. Faith says, no, 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 no. I'm gonna resist all of that and instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I believe that all these things, including my healing and the strength that I need to forgive will be added to me. That as I seek first the kingdom of God, so I'm gonna pray and submit my hurts and my fears to God. I'm gonna seek first God and allow him to provide relief for my soul. I'm gonna seek first God and I'm gonna allow him to give me the wisdom of how to proceed forward. I'm gonna seek God first and allow him to heal my heart. So when you're hurting, when someone has betrayed you, when you feel like everything is falling apart and when you can't go anywhere without being angry and you don't know what to do about what has happened, pause, breathe in, breathe out and pray and pray. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Choose to pray. It's not always easy. It is not always easy. But I believe it's essential. It takes discipline, not just to snap back and do the first thing that comes to your mind. And let me tell you something. When you're hurt, the first thing that comes to your mind is probably not the thing that you need to do, right? You're like, that person hurt me. I'm going to go let the air out of all four of their tires, right? Like that's not probably our first reaction. It's probably not the thing we need to do first. I understand it though, but it's, it's like we got to train ourselves. Hey, I feel this pain. I'm going to go to God. I feel this pain. I'm going to go to God. It's going to become muscle memory for us. Feel this pain, I'm gonna to go to God. I'm gonna feel this pain, I'm gonna to go to God. I'm gonna feel this pain, I'm gonna to go to God and I'm gonna trust him with it because I believe prayer is the most helpful thing we can do in that moment, getting our eyes onto the one who will never fail us, onto the one who loves us more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, the one that loves us more than anyone else can ever imagine loving us and who can do more than we could ever ask. And remembering, faith chooses forgiveness, fear chooses bitterness, and while faith or while forgiveness is a choice, it's also a process that I believe God is going to guide us through as we allow him to mold us, to heal us, and to change us. But it starts with us choosing to be obedient, to mimic his heart, a heart that's loving, a heart that's gracious, a heart that's forgiving, proceed forward in the process, praying with a commitment to prayer and seeking God. Because we believe this, that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that we need so desperately are gonna be added to us. So today, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and I believe this with all my heart, that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, if you're here today and you would say, I'm walking through something really tough, I'm trying to figure out how to forgive, um, I would love prayer for just the strength to forgive. If that's you, would just go ahead and raise your hand. I wanna pray for you today. Yeah, I see your hands. Thank you for being so bold. I see your hands. God, thank you for 
a group of people who are honest and willing to say, I need to learn how to forgive this in this situation, God. I need the strength. I need the peace. I need the comfort. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that your peace and that your comfort, that your spirit would come and guard their hearts and their minds, Lord, as they follow you and serve you. And Lord, I pray that as the pain comes and when it comes, Lord, that they would remember to come to you and to seek you first, to give the pain to you because you are our faithful father who loves us more than we could ever think. And God, you're capable of healing wounds we don't even understand. And so Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for healing, for strength, for peace, and for the ability to forgive. And if you're here today and you would say, I just wanna strengthen my commitment to prayer overall. I wanna make that a daily habit of my life to orient my heart and my mind towards Jesus. And I wanna commit to doing that today. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I wanna pray for you as well. Yeah, hands all over the room. God, thank you for a group of people who say they wanna pray, God. They wanna know you and they wanna draw close to you. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would uh, meet them right where they are. Lord, that they would see you in a very real and tangible way. And Lord, that each morning when they wake up, you'd be the first thing on their minds. And as they utter their first words, God, they would be the ones directed to you. And they would spend time listening for your voice each day to guide them and to lead them. We would remember at all times that we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, God, and everything else that we need will be added to us. I ask for all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said,